Welcome to another episode of Visitings, where we talk to artists who are engaged with the public outside the traditional exhibition space. My name is Alan Nakagawa, and I'll be your host. Cynthia Herrera is an artist who is engaged with communities in her hometown of Bell, California, and beyond. Utilizing her tools as an artist, educator, and community leader, she's completed a series of empowerment projects that wed story with art and technology. Cynthia Herrera, and I consider myself an artist and an educator. Um, when I first met you, you were doing the uh, the project in Bell, I think. Mm, the city of Bell. Mm-hmm. The city of Bell, and um, can you tell me about that project? Sure. Uh, that project. Uh, took place over, I think, a whole year period or maybe even a little bit more. Um, uh, At the time, I uh, was working with uh, some youth in the community. We uh, we had worked together um, to talk about their own perspectives. There was a lot going on in the city of Bell at the time. There was a huge scandal. And um, I was also a high school photo teacher in that high school at the time. And um, through the process of making, you know, teaching photography and making photographs with my kids, uh, taking them on field trips to kind of document themselves. And um, on on one particular trip, we had taken the kids to the Getty Museum and um, somebody on the train up said to the kids, oh, you know, where are you guys from? Oh, photo class. And they said, oh, what city? And they said, Bell. And the gentleman went, oh. <laughs> and the and uh, I didn't know it at the time, but the kids were really offended. They mm. they were really hurt by that, and mm. uh, they had known what was being said about the city and kind of the cast the shadow of what kind of person lived in the city. And so from there, uh, we took these ideas that they were learning in class, and we made an, a project that was at first a small after-school project, but then became an every-minute after-school weekend uh, project where um, the kids started collecting oral histories about um, just regular folks who had grown up and um, lived in the city of Bell for over 40 years. And there's a lot of pride there. It's a really diverse city. And um, there are families there uh, who had been born, raised, went to high school there, built businesses and what was interesting is that they had all kind of met in the city of Bell from from different parts of the world. There were a lot of Cuban families who had come after the revolution. There were a lot of um, Lebanese families who had come uh, with what, what was happening in the 80s. And then there were lots of families from El Salvador uh, and Mexico. And so in this little two square mile radius little place that had kind of been this I don't know, spot where all these families found each other out of necessity, out of trauma, uh, had, had created like this, this little kind of intersection where my Muslim kids speak Spanish, my Mexican kids are eating halal. There's um, just kind of all this. And so those are the stories that I think they were, they wanted people to know. And what we um, did was did this oral history project where we got, um, uh, 
in connection with with another artist, Teva Tedesco. Um, she had uh, been doing artist residencies in this little tin canned ham trailer. And so the kids and I took it over and we turned it into a sound booth. And we parked it all in different spots of the city of Bell and collected oral histories and did portraits. And the kids got to um, not only exchange, but also ask the important questions to other people about how they feel being from Bell and where they're from and kind of reveal to people who don't know Bell what the city is really like Mm. and that the families are real families and that they come from real experiences and real hard work and and that sort of thing so they wanted to kind of change the ideas that were put on them you know Mm. by people who were maybe three miles away but didn't know anything really Mm. about what what their families were like and that sort of thing so yeah it ended up being an, an amazing experience for them and an amazing experience for me it helped me grow a lot it was the first time I ever got to do something that that touched uh you know my kids in such a, a profound way and and that other people learned from I thought that was really important so when we say high school we're talking about these are 16, 14 15 16 year old kids okay. yeah who on their own time you know just kind of wanted to do this thing and ended up being a little group of about 10 kids and at the time of course uh, or prior to uh, there was this media blitz yeah basically, huge because of uh, this um, embezzlement of sorts yes yeah that the city council was participating in yeah they you know and since have been many have actually been uh, still and in, incarcerated in, yeah, <laughs> yeah jailed so uh, but so as a 14 15 16 year old they were um, digesting this mm-hmm. and then that m- one moment you're on a field trip w- what I'm curious did something at the Getty um, inspire them to move forward with this or were they already on a trajectory to kind of jail together and create something I think um, I think they were on a trajectory I think what the Getty did for them was took them completely out of anything they're used to. It's this big kind of huge marble palace. And um, they thought it was kind of like, you know, a magical kingdom. And then to be in this kind of really excitingly different place and beautiful and architecture and L.A., you know, kind of that like L.A. mystique, West Side kind of situation. And we're from the (laughs) East, right? Right. They um, then they were pulled out for a quick moment in 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 a they were kind of jolted and they and it stuck with them that that somebody from this beautiful place thought what they thought with just that action just that little like "Mm." Mm -hmm. and i'm sure that they had heard things before or or maybe i'm not sure but um it affected them enough that they stuck around for a year and wanted to kind of really and and i guess my role in the whole thing was kind of um to tell them what you're doing is important. It matters. Look, we can have these people hear you. We can have these people hear you. We can go here. We can go there. They ended up um, having their stories at the UAM at Long Beach, at Cal State Long Beach, the University Art Museum. So there was a whole kind of group there that got to hear, you know, and that's still L.A. County. And then they also, um, some of their stories were on um, NPR. Uh, Somebody played, you know, one of the guys I can't remember played uh, something for them, and then uh, oh, they were they also got to present their they made a um, that whole uh, project and the 
I think at the Riverside Art Museum featured some of what they did also. So um, for them to have an impact like that from something that they made, from an idea that they had, that they felt, I I think that's what kind of kept them going. I don't know if that was the question. (laughs) No, no, that's... And uh, today... Can some can we hear some of those? Old yeah, stories? yeah. Where, where, There's where um, uh, a couple of websites. Uh, one of the, they're all, and they're all kind of centered on seeherrerphotography.com. And um, the one for and how do you oh, it's you are okay. It's urbell.com. And uh, the one where there's a hub for all these websites of the community projects. It's um seeherrerphotography.com spell it it's c h e r r e r a photography p h o t o g r a p h y.com so that's where Great. if you wanted Great. to hear the kids stories they're all recorded we asked, we actually had like the mayor did like a, a re- so now the then the kids start having residencies so then the kids would say okay who wants to direct questions to the community and so the mayor came in and the councilwoman you know how that goes then people the fire catches on and then Right, right. Somebody wow. wants to be part of it, I Isn't guess. But something? it was for them. It was for all of us. It was just such a great experience. That's great. Yeah, it was. It was. Good. Now, um, oral history is a specific technique or strategy, right? How did they, did they already know about oral histories or did you teach them about or how, um, how, how did that I did get start? us some, some resources. There were a couple of professors. I, you know, my background in, you know, storytelling comes from, you know, family. So, you know, we're Cuban. So this idea of kind of like passing along, you know, family histories is just like every day. Like you don't make anything. Everything is a story, right? You know, nothing just happens. Everything has to have a reason and a background and a whole group of people who made it possible for this to happen. And so that's how it started with us. And um, I did uh, have the kids meet with uh, a couple of professors from Cal State Long Beach. I had them come in, oral history professors from the history department, and um, have them you know, kind of give the kids some skills on, you know, what is it that you're looking for? How do you break it down? Um, how do you, you know, be concise in your questions so that you get to what uh, the heart of, you know, whatever your theme is for your project. And so they were really wonderful. We had, it was such a great project too, because so many people volunteered their time to come and, and engage with the kids. There was a, a woman who, Marissa Herrera, who does like dance and poetry. So she was kind of helping them with their kind of performance part of oral histories, you know, asking questions, you know, mm-hmm. if you're not used to engaging with people who aren't your family, you know, you want to kind of, you know, feel confident in doing that. And so she did that and the professors helped them with their skills on asking and creating, developing questions and things like that. So it was a little bit of, of what they already had in them which was family history and talking and then you know these other folks who came in and added some skills to build confidence i think <laughs> nice in the uh, trailer you called it a tin can or yeah the little it? canned ham trailers yeah. <laughs> um, um, are there pictures of that on on the website yes as well? yeah they're there also and there was another artist um, mario quinn uh, a graffiti artist uh he came out of Slangwood Studios. He did uh, workshops with the kids. And so they started 
you know, prior to taking the, the sound booth out, he developed ideas about like imagery and, you know, how is it that you're going to let people know that this is about stories and stories about us. And so they came up with sketches and they spray painted the entire outside of the, um, the, the sound booth, the trailer with, um, you know, kind of a landscape of graffiti art and murals and things like that. And then, um, the, and they were all in Spanish and Arabic. Some they did stencils and, and that, and then on the inside, everybody wrote, hand wrote kind of pieces about what was most important to them about the stories the kids did after they had met with someone. So there was text on the inside. So it was a really beautiful, not only kind of you know, engagement where they were exchanging with people, but then all those words became like this little structure that came like, came like a little home, like a little community center for, for a year for us. It was really nice. That's it great. was really nice. What a great project. It was beautiful. It was. Are you um, in touch with those students? Some of those students? Yeah. Some, some of them. Cause like, it's been how many years now? Oh my goodness. It's over five, six, oh maybe more. Wow. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Oh my yeah, it's wow. been it's been okay. time fly. Whoa. Yeah, they're all 30. <laughs> no. But uh yeah, one of my girls Liz, uh, she went on to uh get her she's at um CSUN doing uh broadcasting. She wanted to go into what you're doing. <laughs> oh, nice. So That's fantastic. So she was really sweet and her mom was with us in her little minivan like every every time we went out to do stories and stuff, but it was a great, yeah. It, I think it really touched them. I think they really felt empowered, which is why we do this, right? It's this very simple, so simple idea where somebody being heard makes them feel like they can do, right? Right. There's something about that, you know, and I I couldn't maybe pinpoint it with words, but there's something about being heard and being able to say or document or have it written somewhere and have it be true to someone else besides you that makes it very powerful. Right. makes you feel like you can do. Mm-hmm. That's great. Kind of thing. <laughs> and, and one of them wants to go into broadcasting. Yeah, yeah. That's... She's there. She's in her probably third year now. Yeah. How many, um, at that time, how many students were participating? There were, I think, about, uh, at, uh, you know, it'd be like 10, then 20, then it'd be five, you know, they're high school. Sure. But at the end, the core group that started and ended was about seven kids. Okay. Yeah. Um, after that, actually, some of the kids who weren't graduating kind of continued on with me. Um, we did this uh, kind of exchange program, and, and this was more kind of through, you know, the academic formal side, not so much my art, independent art practice. But um, we took some kids on a on an exchange program to Qatar, and. Um, we kind of had, we had them do, uh, it was myself and an Arabic language teacher at school. And this just kind of tells you what Bell was like. So it was myself, the Arabic language teacher took 30 kids to Qatar through a grant and, um, they learned, you know, each other's language. And then they also did a mural project there. So we would take photographs, turn them into stencils. And, and that was really interesting because, you know, there were these two kids, you know, groups of kids, you know, LA being very, you know, what does everybody think about Los Angeles and 
you know, kids from Southeast LA, heavily influenced by, you know, TV, movies. And then we went to Qatar, which um, we had our own sets of preconceptions about what Qatari kids would be like and, you know, what that is. And so to have them meet um, and learn Arabic at that time was really uh, interesting. And so that ended up being a mural project uh, from there. And then... Okay, so you were talking about what you're working on right now. Um, what, what's coming up in the future? Uh, well, um, most recently I started doing um, an oral history project with um, uh, the community on um, the Cypress Street Barrio in the city of Orange. Um, so yeah, so yeah, so is. in the city of Orange, okay. there is um, uh, a history there of um, immigrant families, uh, bracero fa- families, you know, uh, post Mexican Revolution generational oh. um, immigration of both like you know, Mexican and, and uh, Chinese families who were working in the orange groves. And um, Cypress Street is this this small street where um, a lot of the families grew up in in kind of uh, not row houses but um, l- these lines of of um, kind of I don't know what's the best way to say uh, like these mobile shacks kind of thing and there were. I don't know, 60 houses on one small uh, plot. And the history is that um, it was a segregated street. A lot of the families living there... uh, Have you ever been to the Orange Circle? No. Oh, okay. So the Orange Circle is this very quaint, very kind of 1950s looking, um, kind of uh, well-preserved part of the city of Orange. There's a fountain, there's a soda fountain, there's these very kind of quaint antique stores and has a movie theater and um, what built the city of orange was of course the processing and the picking of uh, oranges and i think there were also olives and walnuts um, all around the 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 city and um the families who uh grew up and did kind of the labor there all were on cypress street for the most part, Are we Cypress and Lemon. About, uh, the street Chapman. Near Chapman. Yep. Yeah, oh, right okay. behind Chapman. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't, you know, it kind of reminds me of Disneyland. <laughs> it, well, right. It's the nostalgia of the 1950s. <laughs> right. you, you go to the city of Main Orange street, and Chapman. And thing. that's exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But what has been left out of the narrative of Main Street, Chapman, you know, air quotes, is this history of these families who, you know, worked in the processing plants, ran in the orange groves, um, uh, and and were segregated. They weren't allowed to go to the movie theater. They weren't allowed to shop in the same stores. They weren't allowed to buy property off of Cyprus. And, and this is, of course, not my story, but uh, a story that I was um kind of that that i i was 
fortunate enough to meet this really wonderful woman named Madeline who has lived on the street her entire life. She's older now. She's a, um, um, a grandmother and she, um, you know, one day walking around Cypress street, she, uh, I was just kind of in the area at Chapman and, um, knocking on doors reason being is for pacific standard time chapman had asked me to do some kind of um oral history project okay and they didn't they weren't specific well actually no 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 they were specific they there was a the barrio the cypress street barrio history association is a group of gentlemen who wanted to kind of keep this history alive about the barrio Mm -hmm. and um that's it. That's all I knew. <laughs> which is in, which includes Cypress Street. Which which is Cypress Street, and they're all uh, from Cypress Street. Okay. Um, they they a lot of the gentlemen the gentlemen on the committee, I guess. And uh, they had they things. hadn't done that. No, oh. nobody had. Um, so how how old is this association? Uh, I, a few years old. <laughs> okay, you know so maybe. All right. Yeah, they're new. They're, it's not like yeah. they've been around for twenty years and no. they haven't documented anything. No, no. Okay. Well, I think what they were looking for was some help with that. That's great. Yes, they were the so, right person. Yeah, it was. Yeah. It was such a, it, and it still is like a really wonderful experience, and it's, uh, you know, this kind of combination of their memory with the present new families who live there and how to make the history of Cypress Street what it was and and how it's evolving right that's what they're they're hoping to come up with you know what was Cypress Street who lived there the importance of the families who lived there who built the economy of that entire town mm. but are not known about right um and i i you know having met with them and knocking on doors and meeting with Madeline they they she sat with me for hours talking about what Cypress Street was like and how they would have these festivals and the Jamaicas were these festivals they would have uh, and it was just on Cypress Street which is probably a block or two um and um and kind of how nobody knows about it you know and how nobody knows about what it was like to be the foundation of a place but not be part of it I think that's what was a theme that ran through it. And with a lot of pride, they um, still don't talk about it uh, in a way where um, they critique it too much, uh, which is interesting. So, so that's kind of where me being a new outsider, gener- new gener- like a different generation, I, I, I'm interested in asking them about healing and um and things about you know ideas about the trauma of that and what can you do with that for the next group of families or you know who who live there and that sort of thing but so the yeah so oral histories on cypress street um was the next project or is the next project that i'm working on and i'm kind of working all that out and um definitely i'm collaborating with with these folks i mean it's their story um i'm just asking questions (laughs) and and hopefully getting people who are in the circle who live in this orange circle to understand how this all got built and to honor it in some way because the that that history is being erased Mm -hmm. there's a lot of kind of property real estates uh you know activity happening where they're buying out all of Cypress Street. Oh. 
And so with that gentrification and all of this sort of thing, you know, specific entities, Cypress, call it a Cypress University is buying Cypress, Chapman University is buying, you know, different properties. And so slowly the histories of all these families who built the city, who built, you know, the ability for that university to exist uh, is being erased. And um, the importance being that A, these people are heard and B, how do you not do away with entire neighborhoods that are the foundation of, you know, of the very important cultural history of a, of a place. So can we go back to the psychology? You say yeah. they're critical about it. What are they critical about? They, they, you know, this is this is a generation of um, folks who whose parents and themselves worked, you know, to be part of like the American kind of dream of hard work and, you know, all that means, right? And they don't often acknowledge that there was a trauma, that there was, that that they were treated differently. They said, well, it's how it was. We don't like to talk about that, you know, and, um, it's just how it was and and they're they're not critical about it although except one gentleman is he he's he he questions it but not too much not too much and um we're in the process of figuring out how to how to have them talk in a way where they don't feel guarded mm-hmm. you know or like or that it's um, a negative to talk about the reality of their experience. Right. I think they, they said, we came, we worked hard. Although they created an association. Right. You know, they that's, created an association themselves good... to keep the history of, I mean, they have posters all over, you know, about the segregated swimming pool. Mm. Uh, you know, the, the, the pool... The, their families could use it only on Monday because oh. Monday night they took out all the water. Oh, my God. They couldn't use it Tuesday. They couldn't use it Wednesday, but they could use it Monday. You know, and they have posters of all these things. You know, they couldn't go to the movie theater. They couldn't shop. They couldn't buy property. All of these things that, you know, were... Uh, and, and aside from that, you know, buying, not being able to buy property was a huge detriment to the very people who were building the economy of this place, you know, right. to their own financial security. Like, it was such a de- not to be able to buy property. Anyway, so, um, yeah, they uh, were in the process of figuring out how to get them to feel safe enough to have that discussion. And you'll see little glimmers of, like... Yeah, that was that was probably rough, or that was yeah. Um, but then, what I love though is that they always end with, "But I'm an American, I'm an American," and the and the full kind of confidence in and claiming that part is uh, the best part for me. I think because I think we, I forget that sometimes being you know the kid of immigrant parents. I forget the pride and the hard work with which it took to be able to be here. You know, I, I was raised here, I grew up here, but the, the hard work and the struggle and like the obstacles that I didn't physically experience, but I 
still feel the after effects of like the anxiety and trauma of that. I understand their negotiation of like, it's just how it was, but I'm an American. But in saying that I'm an American is a little bit, is a tinge of that kind of, I'm claiming it. I'm claiming that this is mine and no one can take it. Like that's, that's like the beautiful, I'm like, oh, there it is. Okay. <laughs> you know, <laughs> after having been segregated and still claiming right. the country that in some ways where you live sets you apart right. is a powerful thing to do, even as quiet as it is. I mm -hmm. think it's, it's mm -hmm. a little moment for them, I think. That concludes another episode of Visitings. Thanks to Cynthia Herrera for being on the show. Thanks as always to the Echo Park Film Center in Dublab for letting me share this. I'm Alan Nakagawa, sitting in my living room in Koreatown, saying thank you for listening to Visitings.